Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The early Christian church had many challenges, but so many blessings. We hear of those blessings as Luke wrote in Acts chapter 6, 1 to 7. In those days, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and large numbers of priests became obedient to the faith. So far, God's word. Family meetings. Do you or, or did you have family meetings in your home? Maybe because everything wasn't going right, like the chores weren't being done, so you gather everybody together and kind of set that before them again? Or be, because of an announcement you want to make about something really neat that was going to happen, like the plans for the vacation for that summer? Family meetings were also an important part of the early Christian church, that family of believers. From the growth of the early Christian church up to today, we hear it's time for a congregational meeting. In fact, as Pastor Bork mentioned, it's time for a congregational meeting that's been called for our family of believers right after this service. Why? Because of an exciting opportunity. Perhaps you've heard about the marvelous blessings that the Lord has laid before us. It's been the talk of all the leadership meetings lately. It was in your bulletin last week also. God has so blessed us with enough families and young children to fill up two of what we call our K-1 kindergarten classes. Just think what that means. We'll have the opportunity to have twice as many families in our Bible information classes where they can learn not only what our church believes, but what the Bible tells them about their Lord and Savior. With amazing opportunities comes challenges. So we want to meet as a church family and determine who is going to be the teacher. Where are the classes going to be held? And on and on. The decisions that need to be made and plans put in order so that it's ready for school, which is only, what, four weeks away? What a wonderful reason 
neat reason to gather together for a family meeting. Of course, there's that other reason for family meetings too, right? There's trouble in River City. How did it go for the music man? A pool hall was opened in River City and, and sure to corrupt their youth. So they called the town meeting together and uh, the solution came. They were going to start a marching band. Since a congregational meeting, family meeting, is also called for August the 5th here at Apostles. See, we have some trouble. We have some challenges that need real solutions. We'll gather together and talk about the ministry, our ministry that we have here in our community and around the world. Special challenges that will get an emphasis is the area of stewardship. What God would have us do in thanks to him for all the rich blessings that we have received, especially in the area of financial treasures. The drop in our financial support here at Apostles in June was startling, leaving a large deficit for the last fiscal year. The drop in our financial commitments for the coming year seemed to be almost devastating, at least to certain ministries. So what do we do? We obviously need a family meeting where we can talk amongst the members of our family, come up with solutions and thoughts and plans of how we're going to deal with these challenges. So it also was a time for a congregational meeting as the early church enters into a time period listed under Acts chapter 6. Well, the challenge at that time was not a financial challenge. If you remember last week, we heard that members of that, that church from time to time would sell a, a piece of land that they would have or a house if they had more than one, right? And take that money and lay it at the apostles' feet. Give it into the apostles' hands, those 12 men selected by the Lord to lead the church. So what's the reason for the congregational meeting? Let's hear again then what the reason for the family meeting was for the, the apostles, the twelve. It says, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. The problem? Well, God was bringing so many people into their congregation, into their church, believing in Jesus Christ, that they had many needs which needed to be met. People needed to be taken care of. Here specifically, how do we meet the needs of those most desperate in our family? You see, in that culture, if there was not a man in the family, a male, the, the widows or the, or the children were just about destitute. Someone would finagle their money, their house, their land away from them. They often would have then no land, no money, no food. So what do, does a Christian family, a loving family do? Well, you, you develop 
a plan out of love for Jesus and love for your fellow believers to take care of these needs. And as is usually the case in families, not everybody is happy with the plan. The way it's being carried out or not carried out. I mean, you've heard it. Perhaps you've even thought or said it yourself. But doing it that way doesn't seem to make sense to me. I don't think that's fair. I wouldn't do it that way. Well, the way it was said here was because the, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked. Notice we don't read that the Grecian Jews went to the Hebraic fellow believers or to the apostles, the leadership at that time, to try to solve the problem or perceived problem. We don't hear of either party coming up with positive, constructive, God-pleasing, and helpful suggestions. Instead, we hear that they complained against. Sound familiar in your home or in our Christian home here at Apostles? The Greek word translated complain against carries the idea of murmuring or secret or hidden displeasure. We would probably say it's talking behind people's backs, right? Or gossiping to criticize or to judge. Sound familiar? We too, like the early Christians, have a sinful nature that so often thinks that we're getting the short end of the deal, the bad deal, critical of others, unwilling to serve unless they do it the way I want to do it. See, dear friends, when we have those thoughts or words, actions or lack of actions, we need to turn to our gracious God, right? And repent of those sins, trusting that because of Jesus, those sins are forgiven, including the sins against our fellow family members. That's why Jesus came. In our gospel reading, you heard the words. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to get to have the best spots in ruling? Who's going to be there to tell other people what to do is What's going on? And Jesus said, no, no, guys, you don't get it. I came to serve others, not to be served. I mean, if anyone deserved to be served, Jesus Christ, Son of God Almighty, deserved to be served every day on this earth, but that's not why he came. He came to serve others, and he did that every day of his life in every way possible. And he did that to make up for the times when you and I don't. And we got his record. The Son of Man came to serve. Not, not to be served. And the ultimate serving to give his life as a ransom for many. And thankfully, we're in that family included in that many. The solution for the problem 
in that church in Jerusalem. It was time for a congregational meeting, wasn't it? So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. I hope you didn't miss the major change in ministry that needed to be put into effect in the early Christian church. Simply make a concerted effort to have more people involved using their gifts, their God-given gifts, to accomplish more ministry in a more effectively. And you do that by having more people involved, doing some things, not doing everything, but doing something or some things. And that would allow, most importantly, those with the gifts and the training and the calling to share the gospel of Jesus more often with more energy. See, the entire ministry of the church is not to be done by the 12 apostles. I mean, who do they think they are? God? Of course not. I mean, why did God give them other people in their church family, in their congregation, if you will, with so many gifts and so many abilities? So what did the family do? What did they think at this congregational meeting? They took a vote. The proposal pleased the whole group. Dear members of Apostles Lutheran Church, what do you think about the overall ministry of this family of believers? Who should be in charge of and actively leading the many and varied areas of ministry that the Lord has laid before us? Only the pastors? Oh, maybe you include the principal of our, our school there or, or the staff? I mean, why? Who do we think we are anyway? Who do you think we are anyway? Of course not. And that is something that our congregational chairman, Greg May, understands very well, the importance of training others and allowing them to do the things that they do well. So when we have our pastoral meetings with him, which happens every month or every month and a half, on the agenda every time is this idea of, okay, pastors, staff, what can you take off of your list of duties, the things that you do on a regular basis that others could do that would allow those with the gifts and the training and the calling to do what they were trained and gifted and called to do. So what happens? Usually very little. Why don't we do that? Why didn't the first apostles, before this happened, why didn't they train others to, to distribute the food, the waiting on tables, as they called it? I don't know exactly, but I bet we could come up with a pretty good list of possible reasons then and possible reasons now why that's not done. 
Things like, oh, you know, the apostles, the pastors, the elders, you know, the, the other leaders, they think they can do it best. They think they know it all. They think everyone has to listen to their ideas and do it their way. Remember what Jesus said? That's the way of the world, guys. I mean, you live in that world. The bosses so often lord it over the people that are under them, right? They must listen to them and do what they say, even if it isn't the way you think would be best for the company or the business, right? That's not the way it is in our family of believers, Jesus said. The one who was to be great is the one who serves, and then he is the ultimate example. We are not Jesus. We cannot uh, serve in that same way. But we are Jesus' followers. And he empowers his followers to more and more listen and make plans and carry out ministry in the ways that are most effective. Indeed, Pastors are to be trained in understanding the Bible, being able to teach and, and preach it. And elders are to have certain gifts, the Bible says, to be a leader in a group of believers. And our pastors are well trained. And that's why we have a college where they go to and a seminary where they go to. They learn Hebrew and Greek so that it, if it becomes necessary, they can work with that language to uh, further understand God's word. And pastors individually have some specific gifts. For example, I could give you pretty good advice, I think, on gardening. Because I've had a lot of uh, years of training at the University of Minnesota in horticulture. Right? Okay? Pastor Bork has had further training in the area of counseling. I mean, so he could counsel in areas that, that the normal pastor really is not equipped to do. And what a blessing that is. But neither pastors have gifts in every area. And we dare not think that we do. And you shouldn't ask us. You have gifts. Right? You have gifts, gifts that God has given you. How important it is that we utilize those gifts for the glory of our God in thankfulness and to advance the overall ministry in the family of believers. That means you need to take some action. The early church did that. The success of serving. It says, They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. I mean, obviously, it's a no-brainer, right? If you allow the people to use their God-given gifts, the advancement of the overall kingdom of God... Things happen. Good things happen. Now that doesn't mean that just because we would use our gifts, there's going to be a huge increase in the number of people 
who come to know Jesus Christ and have their eternal destinies changed. But it can happen. It did in the early church. It obviously did in the early years of this church, apostles, and continued, hopefully, till this time. How did this all happen? In my mind, the absolute key to God working so effectively over the past 40 years or so is entirely the tremendous active and supportive members of the congregation. People like you. Oh, indeed, God gifted this congregation with pastors uh, that had many gifts. Founding Pastor Valeski, Pastor Oakmuth, who was instrumental in, in the land and all the other things that go on here. Pastor Monkey, who served for so many years. Pastor Yonke. But equally vital were the members of the church who stood by their side, who walked with them, who worked hand in hand with them. That's how ministry was done. I mean, I felt your presence and support and essential help over the, the 20 years that I've been here. My areas of ministry could not be done without your help. I, you know that, right? They involve many, many people. You know, Vacation Bible School and the, and the other children's ministries. Matter of fact, I still have some need for a little help today. If you... No, I'm serious. <laughs> so what else is needed? Besides pastors and elders and leaders that allow other people to use their gifts and service, what else is needed? How about willing hands and hearts? It would surely seem that those seven men who were asked to carry out the duties of that early church had willing hearts and hands. Why aren't we always so willing? I don't think that's too hard to figure out either. Some of you don't have the time. In this busy schedule with work and families and all the other things to do, time is so precious. Others have been burnt out. Why? Because we've asked the same people to do too many things on an ongoing basis. And maybe others have had a, a bad experience in the past. If that's the case, may God work forgiveness for the wrongs that have been done. And may he touch our hearts once more so that we have willing hands. Another aspect is gifts that match the service, area of service. Again, no one is good at everything. But God has given all of us gifts. Look at what your gifts are. And don't think your gifts are less important than anyone else's gifts. Appreciate those gifts because God gave them to you. And then use them all to God's glory. And it's also vital that servants be allowed to serve their way. I mean, I have a certain way that I plant flowers and trim trees. But I am delighted that the ladies plant our flower beds 
and care for them. So for leaders, yes, you know, train them in the things that needed, need to be done. But let people with gifts, willing hearts, and useful hands do it their way. Give them the opportunity to thank God and serve others by doing it their way. Then we can be amazed, as the early church was, success as God determines. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. How interesting it is to look at the names of those seven men that were chosen and the meaning of their names, the connection. In Scripture, lots of times, a name was given, or a nickname, if you will, or another name by God. Remind them of what they're called to do or what they're gifted in. Listen to the names. Stephen, who was the first Christian martyr, means crown. Philip means lover of horses. Prochorus is leader of the chorus. Nicanor is conqueror. Timon is honorable one. Parmenas is abiding. Nicholas, victor of the people. Think about yourself. Think about your gifts, your talent, your time, your treasure, your service, your name. As you leave today, um, the ushers should give to one to each family this particular booklet. And what it is, is a listing of the various areas of ministry that are carried out in our congregation. And I think if you look through there, you will be surprised and amazed at all the things somebody does that you may not be aware of because, you know, it's done behind the scenes unless they come up front and say, hey, by the way, we do this, could you help us? And as you page through these various uh, areas of ministry, stop for a little while on page 8 and 9 because it happens to be children's ministry, right? And look down through those and, and see if any of those have your name on it. Uh, not your, 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 your given name, but your name of the gift that you have and the abilities that you have. Right? Look through that. Find your name, find your interests, find your gift so that you can be a part of of the service to our gracious God who has made us a part of his family through Jesus Christ, given us that free gift and gifted us so many other ways so that we can be about the many ministries here at Apostles. And most importantly, so that we can be about sharing Christ as effectively and often with the families and children of our church and of our community. Be the church. Be ready to serve. And as you sang that prayer to begin uh, right before this message, may that be your prayer to God. Make me a servant. Amen.